not an email, but a tweet from Peter at P94 at home. Gods. GRM is such a master at creating an environment. This chapter felt so brutal and had an impending doom hanging over it. Whether it was being caught, Ramsey showing up, or the ever-present doom of winter and the storms that come with it. Storms that raged for 40 days and 40 nights for a year. For 10 years, storms that buried castles, cities, and whole kingdoms under 100 feet of snow. Own to the fact that through all this doom and brutality, our characters clung to a desperate hope that they could survive. Gods, this book is good. Thanks, Peter. We really be doing a switcheroo this week with the owns at the top of the episode because we just felt like this one really set the tone and set the mood. So we were looking for like, you know how sometimes we start the podcast with a quote from the chapters? We were looking for one of those and then we thought, what if? What if? <laughs> what if Peter becomes the beginning of the chapter? Theon 1 or Theon 7 if you're reading in our Feast with Dragons reading order. The chapter in which Theon and Jane Poole escape. The last Theon from chapter. Winterfell. Or the first. I don't know. Kind of confusing, if I'm being honest. <laughs> this chapter. We may, we may have made it a little bit more confusing for everyone. Sorry about that. Sorry. The chapter is so freaking good, though. We've, you and I have had a couple, like, as we normally do, convos behind the scene about this chapter. And I've read it like three times because this chapter is very good. And I'm very excited to talk about it. As you've been saying, I feel like, I feel like a broken record because I say this every episode, but. It's just been so much fun after we did the wins chapters and as we're here at this last Theon chapter in the reading order, we're at this end game or where in the story we're at end game stuff. And so Feels the like theories, yeah, like the theories and the questions that I have and the stuff that we can talk about. I don't know. It's very exciting to me. And so I know there's a couple of questions that we've already talked about and as per usual, I have lots of questions to ask you. And so I'm kind of excited to dive into this. I also just really like Theon. So here we are. You like Theon? Yeah, I do. Why? I just really like Theon's arc. And I'm very interested in where he is going to go. I feel like Theon is one of the few characters who, in my mind, has really been able to go in this roller coaster effect of like good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy. And I think that the trajectory that he's on with becoming Theon again and with where his story may or may not be going, which we are going to talk a little bit about with like Bran and how he's hearing things and his connections with the Greyjoys. Well, he is a Greyjoy, but I just think that he has some extra lore around him, which is exciting to me after having such a rocky up and down arc of like which quote unquote, which side he's on. And so I feel like it's been done in a way that is more believable. So it's not because you feel sorry for him. I don't really feel sorry for him. I mean, I guess I do sort of feel sorry for him and I know that he Nobody is going to deserve to be treated the way that he was treated. Um, but, you know, as Theon says in this chapter, he's done his own fair share of not good things. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't deserve what he's been given. But, 
I think it's helped him become a man that is going to do great things, which is very exciting to me. There's like a chance for that. It seems his perspective about his, his himself has changed. And I think it's, it's changed in the course of the last few chapters with him, mm-hmm. the way that he regards himself. And I think what you were just quoting was that moment when he was with the spear wives and he was thinking about them mm-hmm. and comparing himself to them. And he's like, you know what? They're telling me not to quote Ned Stark's words and they're right. telling me not to feel comfortable. And that even if this plan works, don't feel good about yourself. We don't even like you by the way. And he's, instead of being bothered by that, he's for, for several reasons, he's been battered. He's been mistreated. He's been told that he's trash. He's thought he's trash. But in that moment, he was just like, hmm, I'm not so bad compared says, to y'all or really compared to anyone else. Right. I've done terrible things, betrayed my own, turned my cloak, ordered the death of men who trusted me, dot, dot, dot. But I am no kinslayer. I mean, true. So, yeah, that's why I like Theon. I just think that he has work left to do. And I... I'm hopeful and counting on the fact that it's a little bit more than just Brand telling him he's a good man. So <laughs> the, but we'll see, see that, I guess. That's so right now in the book, if you're like you sometimes say reading for plot, you get to reek and spending all this negative time with him, eating rats, hanging out in the North where it seems like not a lot is going on. I mean, things are going on, but we're with the Boltons and none of us think that they're going to actually win. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and none of us think that we're going to no actually <laughs> spend a lot of time at the dread fort or right. the, the problem at Winterfell. I would much, I'd be much more interested in knowing how close Stannis really is and what it's going to look like whenever Stannis wins or loses, whether or not John's going to get involved, what really happens with the people that are supporting the Boltons at Winterfell. Mm hmm. So why is he there? Is it like you said? I love Theon's arc. It's a very popular thing for, I feel like, folks to say. Theon's arc is so great. Whatever, it's cliche. Come at me. <laughs> it, sort of, it sort of became that. But for me, reading this chapter and thinking about what's left with Bran and thinking about how the weirwood trees work, all this stuff. I just had a, a live stream with Radio Westeros about this subject. Not about, not about Theon, but about Bran. And I've been asking myself questions about the end of the story and something that I hadn't really considered before. I know that people have considered this, but for me personally, it's just been part of the struggle that's happening inside of the North and context on the people that screwed over the Starks, context to how it's gone for them and seeing the other lords inside of the North continuing to play the game of thrones i thought that that was good context and it really dressed out the story i didn't necessarily need it but it's cool to read it not everyone is obsessed with wyman manderley as it seems Mm -hmm. or with what exactly is happening with frey pie who's involved who's turning their back on you really they want to know at least it feels like to me ultimately what's going to happen in winterfell And so coming back to Theon and reading about the hardness of life and learning about how cruel someone could be to him and thinking about whether or not he deserves it all the time. I feel like I kind of got the gist of that earlier when we were very stalwartly within Reek 
Mm-hmm. I was I was thinking of a lot of those things. And so I, I feel like maybe that's part of the psychological state George wants us to be in. It's like, yes, we already learned our lesson. But in order for him to become such a trained person, like Ramsey, the way Ramsey made him, it has to be drilled in over and over and basically become our state. Are we ever going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. What's it ever going to be like? And then Bran speaks to Theon through the weirwood tree. Or at least it seems like that. Now the possibilities for the story, I feel like, are really opening up in a way that is almost humanly unsatisfying. Because why would it, why is it Theon? We, we all agree. But why not Theon? You know what I mean? No, you're totally right. But didn't we all agree sort of early on that he He's was the worst? the worst for what he did to the Starks and for how easily he disrupted what was a really good strategy and what was a really good foundation against the Lannisters? just seemingly out of nowhere for no reason and getting him nowhere, upending everything and to make everything so difficult for, for Bran and for everyone leaving Winterfell or at least wanting to leave Winterfell at that time. At least he didn't kill him. So there's well, that. you're right. I mean that we, we know that, but other people don't know that. I think that that's a good question of why somebody like Theon, but I feel like that we talk about this a lot, just like with the song of ice and fire in general, there's no, there's not a lot of black and white in A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a lot of gray area, which I think makes it such a textured story and with so much depth. And so somebody like Theon, you try to put him into the good versus bad category and you can't, you know, as with every other character in this series. And so I feel like having somebody who... I don't know. I think that there needs to be good people out in the world of Westeros as everything falls apart. And Theon's already been through the ringer and hopefully he can be a champion of goodness taking over as the story moves along. But I mean, the reality is, is where Theon's at at the, with the Winds of Winter sample chapters, it looks like he's going to get executed, you know? Mm. So for all we know at this point, that's going to be so cool. This is the end of his story. And so um, I think that for a chapter where this is the first time we're using Theon's name again, there is this, it's like that, it's this own that we read at the top, I thought, summed it up really well about this impending doom and this Theon's like pessimistic for good reason outlook and his inability to see out of the seemingly impossible situation. And I feel like there's just this like gloomy feeling um, with a little bit of magic weaved in that is just really exciting to me. And so as we think about what's going to eventually happen with Theon, potentially whether he gets executed, whether he gets told he's a good man somewhere (laughs) in between, you know, I don't really know, but I just think that to me, his, arc isn't cheesy in a way that it could very easily fall into like tropey territory yeah and it hasn't hit that way for me so not me not yet i think the stuff with bran and the tree is awesome i think that we talked about i know that you watched the live stream sort of so i'm just pretending (laughs) like like you have kind of an idea of what we talked about but i'm thinking about Blood Raven's power to communicate mm-hmm. 
or or to communicate or not, let's just say to use the weirwood net, his power compared to brands may not be as concentratable. Right. And so if that's what we're thinking about happens to Hodor, that in some way Bran is able to not necessarily warg, but what he did with Theon back in a ghost in Winterfell, I think it was mm-hmm. where he heard his name, but the same things happened for Ned in a way. I think he said Winterfell, but it's, it's more of a, I'm not warging. I'm just here, but I'm kind yeah. of warging. And so this kind of warg that happens with Hodor, whether or not it's interrupted by an attack on the tree or whether or not it's just a mistake of him being so casually present, or maybe he's surprised by something that happens in the vision. Like maybe Liana does ride up on a horse and it surprises him. Something happens where he changes enough of the chemistry within this person's head to hurt him. If that's what happens with Hodor. And so with Theon here, it seems like the same sort of thing has happened, but almost through like inception, like he gave him an idea and the idea in this case was his name, mm-hmm. which I don't know if brand or whoever is communicating through the tree or whether or not it's Theon himself. I don't know if they knew that that was the thing that needed to push him over the edge, but that's what set a lot of this into motion. And I liked what you said about it not being cheesy because I like how it connects to brand. And I would have felt a little bit annoyed if, it hasn't been so earned for Theon and also so patient within this book specifically with chapters like this. I think that I'm distracted by Mance and the Spearwives in general, but Mm -hmm. when I'm not thinking about them, Theon stuff is really interesting to me specifically of how it connects to Bran. Mm -hmm. I love that George in this chapter was so realistic to continue to tell us that really, and it seems like this to me, I don't know if you picked up on it, um, I think that's kind of what you were just saying, but it seems like Theon is making these decisions to help people or to escape at least, or to help the guys that we like, it seems, and then help Jane also, but really because he, it still kind of serves him. Of course. It's not, it's not he hasn't become this altruistic character that Bran has unlocked and now he's this ultimate good guy. Theon is actually good arc, but he, he thinks that. It's silly that the the surviving stable boy is so hopeful. He's like, oh, I think the storm's about to be over. And uh, Dion laughs to himself and he's like, and that's, I think, the the quote that Peter quoted at the top of the episode. The the tales he heard from old Nan talking about winter that was so overwhelming that whatever you hope really isn't worth hoping for. And so in this case, to escape... To not escape, to stay, I'm kind of at the end of my rope because of people like Barbara Dustin <laughs> and because of people like Bran. Imagine being around Barbara Dustin, instilling that much confidence in him, being around someone that didn't act like a Bolton, that didn't act like a, right. a, a vampire walking around a dark, sallowy corners or passageways, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it just started giving him a, a new way to look at it. And then I feel mm-hmm. like he, he racked up enough momentum to go, mm, I don't think so. I, something's going to blow up here. And then now add the potential that Stannis is right outside. You've got horns going off. You've got drums sounding. There's so much tumult. I feel like it really pushed him to that edge. He had and a choice. You think so? I mean, well, they're, they say, I mean, he is back and forth this whole chapter about in the beginning, whether or not he actually wants to leave. He thinks it's the wildest idea and he thinks that it's not going to work and that it's, not smart to be doing what they're doing 
And then the whole little fight breaks out, which we'll get into. And they're sent. If they're going to fight anybody, they might as well go fight Stannis. So they're sent away. I love that moment. He's like, okay, you guys want to fight? We'll just start the attack early. Go for it. Exactly. And so then they're forced to leave earlier because they've got to get ahead of this group that's marching towards Stannis. And so I feel like he's kind of backed into a corner um, a little bit. But I think as we're talking about, just to kind of go back a second on what you were saying, he's kind of gaining all this momentum. And I just think that there's so much strength in this series and power and using your own name and remembering who you are. And I think that getting, being reminded of his name, as he says, the old gods had known him and had called him Theon as brands, like somehow communicating to him what his name is. And we see in the sample chapters is the, um, whatever kind of birds those are <laughs> ravens crows, ravens. <laughs> crows <laughs> are all saying his name over and over again and um when ramsey i can't remember exactly but when he starts calling him theon that whole thing to give fake aria away i think that just like him well, we've talked about this but just his ability to internalize who he is names are just so powerful in this story and theon is repeating Jane's name over and over into in his head because that's a reminder of like who she truly is. And we see that with Arya, we see that with Daenerys, we see that with Sansa all the time of this callback to what like is that who about? you are. I think it's just a callback to like who you are at your core and what your destiny is supposed to be Ooh. or something, you know? And so I think that for him I think that the situation that he's in, he's kind of forced into it a little bit. I think that he would have twiddled his fingers a little bit longer if it was up to him. But I think that the chaos of the situation and kind of all the pieces fell into place where he has enough momentum from being reminded of that he's Theon and not Reek for him to then literally make the jump at the end. And I've got no qualms using you, Abel, and your friends. Mm-hmm. Even though I right. think that you're going to be killed horribly and slowly if this goes wrong. And it's very likely that it goes wrong. And it does for some of them. So this is I'm really excited to talk to you about this, because when I first read this chapter for the very first time, I had no clue who that Abel was Mance in the slightest. Like to me, it was like, who's this random person who is somehow um, interested in any of this? And I still think that that's a good question, but you're talking about, I can't remember what you're talking about that made me think of this, but like Theon is trying to hide the fact that fake Arya is fake from The Abel. jape is on you, Abel. You and your murdering whores, you'll die for the wrong girl. Exactly. Eight from quote unquote Abel, who is Mance Raider, who's... A Star Wars villain. Yeah, who's hiding his own identity from everybody else. And these people who their motive for doing what they're doing, I think, is maybe not necessarily super clear. And Jane's little slip up at the end when she screams and many more of them get killed and many more of the spear wives end up getting killed. And so I think that it's just like this very interesting situation where nobody is being upfront with their identity and the reasoning behind all the decisions that they're making are over crossing each other in this 
way that makes it feel, you know, this music that is playing in the scene when Sansa and Theon run are leaving Winterfell when they jump over the wall and they're running oh, yeah. at the beginning. I, it's like one of my all time favorite songs in Game of Thrones. And I just, that whole, that song was just like playing through my head as I'm reading this chapter because, nice. um, there's just so much build up to that moment. What was it's, the point I was saying? It's leading. I, I don't know. I don't know what your point was, but I, <laughs> I know I sort of get what you're saying that it's leading to, it's like everything is falling into place and also falling out of place. But really what it's all about is the truth of the destination of what they're yes. doing and why they're doing it. That's what I was going to ask you. So we've got Mance who's here and Theon is so afraid that if anybody finds out that this isn't truly Arya, that they're not going to go through with it anymore that they're not going to want to do this escape plan Mm -hmm. what do you think do you think that mance understands that Arya is actually jane or do you think it even matters if he knows who this girl is like what is his like the read on him i guess because there's i think that mance is aware that things could go in any direction and he wants to position himself in the least danger possible so he's playing his part well and he's paying attention to how things go and i think that he probably knows that it's not aria i would think so you know yeah you wrote down in your notes that he recognized john at the opening feast in a game of thrones and so you you figure that that means that he recognized Arya mm-hmm. or was able to rather not recognize Arya. But I also feel like it's the kind of common knowledge at this point. Like how much do people really believe that this is Arya Stark? I'm right. not sure. Right. That's a good I'm, question. I'm not sure. Also, I'm not sure what kind of information regarding the way Arya looks or Ned's kids looked in general would still be in his mind after all he's gone through. Right. Or whether or not he's necessarily thinking about that. But I don't really know what Melisandre told him to go down there. He's just a character right. I don't trust overall because of his ability, really. he's a, his He was there at the beginning of a Game of Thrones. I don't trust that mm-hmm. guy, and I don't trust him now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's there right now. But uh, this this the thing with Abel and the Spearwives is just that they almost seem like the lowest quality – invention of the story like just even the way they talk they're just kind of so present but also not really there and now they die or at least it seems that way i'm not sure if they'll come back but maybe it's what maybe it's a mechanic of theon it's like i was saying he's so focused on his goal here he doesn't really care what happens to him they're a means to an end and so Knowing a lot about them doesn't really matter either, and they may- maybe truly are a means to an end. But man's being there is such a strange wild card. Uh, if I'm assuming that what Melisandre and John agreed was the reason why he's going, if that's really what he's doing, then maybe he's just really trying to get Arya and leave and survive, beat right. Winter back to somewhere, and continue to... I don't know, have friends that help him with his cause. How much does he still care about the wildlings leaving the wall and settling further into the gift? Is he thinking about winter and the oncoming storm as well? And not just 
literally but figuratively. I'm not really sure because he's got just, a lot of stuff that could potentially be interesting to him. He's a he's right. a wild card because he knows a lot about how the world operates. It's interesting that like if he being like you're talking about Melisandre, I mean if they're sent if he's sent down there really just to save Arya and he shows up and he sees Arya and he's like this ain't it. I'm just going to turn around cuz very obviously the situation at Winterfell is kind of a mess. So it's like, why yeah. would you insert yourself into that situation sure. if you don't that's have to? That's a good to? point. Why would he stay as well? Right. That's what I'm wondering. And so, you know, there's theories that like he wrote the pink letter too, which I don't necessarily subscribe to, but that gives him more power. I feel like than he, <laughs> maybe, sure. like you're saying, does it like maybe more than he deserves, but it's just interesting because well, I mean, why not? Like if he card. can do that, why not? You know, why not continue to shake stuff up? Because that's what really everyone's doing right now at this point. Mm-hmm. So why not? <laughs> you know what I keep thinking? <laughs> you know that you probably, maybe you don't, maybe somebody listening will truly understand me, but you know that TikTok where it's like, you did this for what? You did this for what? It's like no. a sound that people use on TikTok that I think is really funny. That's just what goes through my mind when I think of <laughs> Mansfader. It's like, you did this for what? <laughs> what are you trying to get at here? Well, so. what are singers like? You know, doesn't, isn't there a quote about that in this chapter? I forget. Maybe. I forget what the quote was. I but. highlighted so much of this chapter that I'm having a hard time finding anything useful. <laughs> it was about it was about the kind of people that singers are. Yeah. And I, I think that it said a lot about Mance Raider in general, about his sort of personal story. He's got nobility attached to his name because he was the king beyond the wall. But apart from that, you know, his ability precedes him. Mm-hmm. And he's involved in really cool stuff continually and look how capable he is. It's just like he's powerful. Yeah. He's really powerful. He's casually moving among what is a really stressful situation for other people. And the whole time winter's falling literally on top coming. of them. Yeah. Literally coming. Yeah. I am. Um, what do you think he wants? I have no, that's what I'm saying. I have no freaking clue. Like, I don't know if this is just like you were saying, kind of a step. So, I think this ties into another question that kind of comes up later in the chapter is, and we touched on that briefly already, but when Theon is, says winter's coming and, uh, Rowan is with him and she's like, what, the, what the heck? You can't use Ned Stark's words. A little random. Well, and knowing that somebody like Rowan who shouldn't care about somebody like Ned Stark, you know what I mean? I know that there's a respect and I know like Mance Raider has a respect for him and there's a little bit of mutual feelings there. But to me, that was also another interesting point of like what motivates that kind of reaction to something that would seemingly not be sacred to somebody like Rowan or the rest of the Spearwives or what's Mance's motivation. And maybe all of it ties back to whatever they're trying to accomplish. The North, North of the Wall. remembers. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just I don't know if there's it's that something. Heartfelt. What do you mean? I don't know if it's North remembers, but oh. you think it's connected to just the the goals of the wildlings in general? Yeah, like maybe there's just some other major motivation, like you were saying that Mance might have, like just to further his people or to keep everybody safe in his mind. Like this all plays into something else going on that we don't know about. Also, Roman could be lying. She could have said that because it would have been 
that she's supposed to be from from there, from around there, right? So it could have been mm-hmm. something that she assumes that northern people would say to him. That's in true. That moment. That's true. But again, just a little bit of confusion around the Spearwife stuff in general, not necessarily from a reading comprehension perspective, just from a, it is just so stuck in there, it feels. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's so conveniently there. There's this guy who's helping them and these people, and they might be doing some of the murders. But again, I think it might be a function of uh, Dion's mentality overall, just not caring. And also, if you think about how Ramsey has allowed Dion to become so casually kind of a leader amongst the people in the kitchens, which is dangerous when you've got someone that's as much of an enemy deep down as so Reek, giving him a, too much power, <laughs> giving him too much power. Yeah. Cause he mm-hmm. can sneak around like he did in this chapter. And if you give margins, they're going to, if you hold someone down like that, they're going to find a way to use those margins against you because that's all that they have. I know that all too well because my dog is exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant plan because, and it's, I love having Theon's narration as, as they go through this plan. And first they're walking up first. They're like in the kitchens, getting the water. And he's like, they should be flirting with everybody. And they're not flirting. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the thing that's going to yeah. get us outed and then they're walking up the steps and he's thinking of old man and they come into Jane's room and she's huddled in the corner and he's Theon's thinking about all of these people that they're sneaking past and what's going to happen to them because he understands kind of how things work here and yet he continues on and then things start working for a minute it says for a moment Theon felt almost giddy because he's realizing hey this could actually happen and work and be yeah. real and um i don't have a a terrible all-power god that controls my life named ramsey he's actually just a human after all right look and at all these different lines wild, of defense we've got past yeah what a wild thing and i think it's so lucky and probably done on purpose that ramsey was distracted and busy with some other things that we don't we, we get yeah. snippets of maybe what's going on but we don't have any like real answers necessarily. I mean, we see what's going on with like the phrase and the Manderleys and so there's whisperings and things like that. But, you know, there's obviously a lot of chaos happening that we don't even see in this chapter that kind of sets everything up just perfectly enough for yes. him to be able to slither on his way out of there. So, well, I mean, it was going to happen. Things were always going to get weird for the Boltons after what they were doing and using Theon Greyjoy to marry a fake Arya to his bastard Ramsay and Winterfell. And calling for Manderly to be there and then for and you know, then five be, chins. Then for getting the support from the South to sort of enable what they're doing, but not actually getting any physical support while Stance is there, while winter is falling. Things are were always gonna get weird for them. And I feel like it it was coming to a head for a long time. And the vibe in these last few Theon chapters have been just a sort of level of unrest that mm-hmm. you could tell was being done by some kind of interior terrorism but at the same time well, these there's people always, are dying yeah just out of left and right but it, like i said it's such a weird situation that they have going on there in winterfell this stuff was always i feel like it was always gonna happen it was always gonna come to a head and then here in this chapter we're in the great hall of winterfell and 
it's it's just so perfectly plays out. You really get the vibe of what's happening, and it feels like it was it was always gonna come to this. And I don't even need the threat of Stannis being outside for the context to be as sweet as it was, but that just adds to it. For Roos to come in, and you're just imagining the vibe of everyone that's been kind of quarantined together is what it sort of <laughs> seems like, and we all sort of <clears throat> spill out into the same dining area every morning, mm-hmm. and here's. Roos, Fat Waldo with his retinue of guys, Anus Frey with the worst name in the book. Everyone's, you know what I mean? They all come out and just nothing's going on. And Dion's right. thinking and he's watching uh, Abel and the washerwomen eat fried bread. Everything's chill. It's just uh, the way it was always supposed to be. Everything is chill except for the part where nothing is chill at well, all. Except for the part that everyone is completely on edge. And then yeah. Ramsey, Ramsey walks in and Theon can automatically tell that Ramsey is not having a good day. He's so sensitive to his master. Just a whiff of walking in the room. Yeah. He's like... He has to be. It's a survival. He has to be. It's survival, exactly. He's like, what will happen? Oh, no. You know what? Actually, my plan, the whole plan, everything is wrong. And he's battling back and forth between this potential to move forward within confidence or to crumble within the the threat of the tiniest thing going wrong, Ramsey's attitude. And um, I think that the situation with little Walter being murdered mm-hmm. was such an inspired choice from George. It's like, you can tell these chapters needed to go no longer. <laughs> it's like, all <laughs> well, these, what do you mean? <laughs> well, all these other deaths led to this one. Yeah. We've, we've known these people. It almost right. feels like we don't know them, but think back. We've known them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if you're using the appendixes in the book, or if you're using a search of ice and fire, or if you've read them enough to be able to have a sort of photographic recollection of different vibes that you felt within the story, to be Theon in this moment and to be in Winterfell with Roose Bolton at the charge and being scared of Ramsay in the middle of all of it narratively is so sweet to have little Walder be brought in, probably murdered by big Walder after all is said and done. Right. And right. for this to be used to stir up trouble. I don't want to say who I think necessarily is causing the trouble yet because I want to ask what your opinion is, but either way, this, this is what it is. Whether or not it was done out of passion or whether or not it was done for a scheme, George is stirring up trouble right now with this and it just pushed it all to the right moment and it was just really satisfying to read. So that was the intro of this podcast episode right. <laughs> about <Yeah>. this chapter. <laughs> We're 40 minutes in. He says, though may, or when asked Wyman Manderley, says, though mayhaps this was a blessing. Had he lived, he would have grown up to be a fray. Holy crap. It's we so have to read good. that whole thing. You can't just do a piece of it. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to get the one liner at the end. That was a, such a st- stressful moment. What do you think? Do you think that the, the phrase, did this themselves to cause an issue? Or do you think that this was done by the Manderleys to cause an issue? Do you think that Theon did this because he don't doesn't know what he's doing? Do you think the Spearwives were lying? What do you think? Um, you didn't give the my what the answer I was going to pick was who cares? <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> I guess it is just um, a means to an end. Yeah, I absolutely not Theon. I mean, to me, this is all just part of the chaos that eventually allows Theon. But to it get says the so much about the truth of the situation, though, because Manderley is involved as well. And we know that he's got it's like, what is he doing? You know, I feel like he's part of our he's like an ally to sensibilities that we 
align ourselves with. And it's nice to see someone who's aware of, he's like, I'm probably not going to survive life overall. And of course, but also maybe not this Winterfell stuff. So he's, instead of being a coward, he's, he refuses to play along with such lameness, even though he Mm -hmm. is, he's also just so annoyingly him within all of it. And there's just something sweet about someone who in the face of all that, especially uh, in the face of all of them starving or potentially about to become people who are starving if they survive any further. Roos has guards posted in the kitchen, for God's sake. This guy continues to eat at a rate that embarrasses everyone around him. And it's right in the face of these people who are, you know, so bad that they kill people that disagree with them. And yet mm-hmm. Manderly has so much power and so much sway that he gets to do this. I just think it's satisfying, but also indicative of the falseness that's within all the stuff that people here say that they believe in because it's all just, just a big hypocritical mess. And right. it sort of comes to a head when Hostin Frey accuses Manderly of, of, um, organizing this death for little Walter. I don't think I like it better if he's not behind it for exactly the same reason as you're talking about just the kind of the vibe that he's putting off as he's eating his way through Winterfell and this little quip that he's got here about growing it to be a fray. I like the idea that he's stoking the fire and causing problems just because he finds it entertaining without ever having a, an active role in it. Like this isn't something that he did, but he's enjoying the fact that uh, the phrase are pissed about it, you know, right. like he's going to be happy about it. And so I don't think he did it. I think it's probably big Walter, but you know, I don't know it. Or if it's the spear wives, you know, using this as the last straw to then put the rest of the day in motion because who knows? Yeah, it seems like we had to do it now because of yeah. the level of drums and the level of horns. And so perfect storm. Maybe this is just a product of the drums and everything in general. Like this could have just been the natural world itself. There was no way to avoid it. Something was going to happen. It could have been as simple as a the music was too hype. The music was too hype. The, it could have been a disagreement between the two Walters <clears throat> that culminated into this, but it's no secret that Manderly and pretty much everyone else in the North feels that way about Freys. So mm-hmm. him saying, so young, though mayhaps this was a blessing, had he lived, he would have grown up to be a Frey. I mean, that was always going to happen. So he's just being real. I mean, maybe it's just you can't write the bad guys without it being cartoonish if they're aren't some people there that are willing to annoy them if the bad guys aren't completely overwhelmingly winning and they're really not completely overwhelmingly winning. That's why there's someone like why, why Mandalay to sort of mm-hmm. mess things up on the inside in the first place. It felt like such a classic whodunit kind of moment as they're all sitting there and all of this stuff is going on and the finger is being pointed at, I confess. Wyman and it's he just, wipes the griefs from his lips with his sleeve. It continues. 
I confess that I know little of this poor boy. <laughs> it's so good because it's like you could picture everybody sitting there and like the, the the flourish of the finger being pointed at him and the who me like the the slow like as he's finishing chewing his food or something you know before he says right. anything like it just is this like beautifully cliche ish almost who done it moment that the camera's turning is like the room is feeling the space in the room i don't know i thought it was if for it to be happening while everyone is at the end of their rope basically after Mm -hmm. all that because we remember what it was already like to be in that chamber there was a time when theon wouldn't have been drinking um i don't know what he called it ale i guess or i'm imagining i can't even I, i don't know what it's called when when it's that thick that you can chew on it. Like, is it still, are you still drinking beer at that point? <laughs> what is know. it? Some weird homebrew kind of like. So thing. that's the situation that he walks in there and that's the, the standard. It was wine before and before wine, he wasn't really interested, but now he's just drinking beer that he can chew on. And it says that the plan might not work, but you know, a few more of these and the plan might work. So it's like, everything is relying on this moment, but also winter is coming. So does it all really matter? Mm -hmm. And that is the perfect situation for Wyman to be so into how he feels about things and to, to troll in the, and that's why Hostine Hostine phrase action was so insane afterward because it was, it's insane for him to be so, personally nonchalant when everyone is just trying to like they're all so desperately trying to get theirs they're like remember the four of the five kings and winter's coming and it looks like it's all not gonna go in your favor anyway and he's just eating all their food the whole time like ha 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 ha." i want to read part of it because it's just hilarious sir sir hosting you gonna read like dan carlin no do you want me to i can't (laughs) you should you should (laughs) sir sir hosting Frey ripped his long sword from its scabbard and leapt towards Wyman Manderley. The Lord of White Harbor tried to jerk away, but the tabletop pinned him to his chair. The blade slashed through three of his four chins and a spray of red blood. Dot, 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 dot. Um, Lord Locke was shouting for a maester as Manderley flopped on the floor like a clubbed walrus in a spreading pool of blood. Around him, dogs fought over sausages. It took two score Dreadfort spearmen to part the combatants and put an end to the carnage. By the time the last six White Harbor men had two frays lay dead upon the floor. Or sorry, that was it. By that time. A dozen more were wounded and one of the bastard boys, Luton, was dying noisily, crying for his mother as he tried to shove a fistful of slimy entrails back through a gaping belly wound. <laughs> Lord Ramsay silenced him, yanking a spear from one of Stillshank's men, remember him, and driving it down through Luton's chest. Even then the rafters still rang with shouts and prayers and curses, the shrieks of terrified horses and the growls of Ramsay's bitches. There we go, sorry. The shrieks of terrified horses and the growls of Ramsay's bitches. Still Shanks Walden had to slam the butt of his spear against the floor a dozen times before the hall quieted enough for Roose Bolton to be heard. I see you all want blood, the Lord of the Dreadfort said. I mean, it's just, this is what it looks like whenever the bad guys that aren't the top level bad guys kind of get a run of the place. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's one step up from where the the Greyjoys would be if they continued holding this place. Right. You've missed the best part. Not really the best part. All of it is the best part. Hosting Frey sword, 
Hosteen's phrase sword. Oh, I have this written down. Come on now. Hosteen's phrase sword was red almost to the hill. Blood spatters, speckled his cheeks like freckles. He lowered his blade and said, as my lord commands, but after I deliver you the head of Stannis Baratheon, I mean, uh, I mean to finish hacking off Lord Lards. Is it Hosteen? Hosteen? Good question. Hosking? Ha? Yeah, it's ha. <laughs> of all people, how do you mess that up? Because it's not, it's like, if you say it like, anyway, if you say it like my last name, then Honestly, I'm Honestly, George probably says it three different ways. Yeah, that's actually, I find so much comfort in that because nothing matters, so. Outside the snow still fell. The snowmen the squires had built had grown into monstrous giants, 10 feet tall and hideously misshapen. They need to save their energy Winter for... Is coming. It says, enough, roared Lord Ramsay. My father has spoken. Save your wrath for the pretender, Stannis. Stannis. Then they peace out. It's just wild times. And I thought it was very good. And then Theon has no choice but to get the heck out of there. Did you see the, uh, the crow moment when he was holding it up and talking about Stannis and... Or the, the, the letter and telling the men to go fight now. Do you think that he was responding to information that he got about Stannis? Or do you think that he was just bluffing for peace? Trying or to get them to he, move on. Or if the information that he did get, quote unquote, from Stannis, is that even real or not? Or is about Stannis, not the from real. Stannis. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Stannis is writing letters right. to her. <laughs> hey, like, just wanted to this check This is where in. I'm going to be. It's called the Crawfish Village. We're going to be fighting over a frozen lake. It's going to be awesome. Just wanted to let you know that we're still alive. Everything's okay. Yeah. Also, Anus Frey. What, what's that guy up to? <laughs> I miss him. I mean, I don't know. I think, to me, to me, it's just like, let's just use it as another... Let's just add it to the chaos. Like, it's just another piece to the getting people to do what? What am I saying? <laughs> it's because I don't know the answer. And so I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I, I think it's what they deserve. I think it's what they've earned. I think this is where it's all headed because it's the amount of work that they did to cover their asses. If they really thought that the Manderleys were going to cause trouble within Winterfell, then why are they there? Did you really need people that weren't on your side in the first place? There's a lot of questions that you could ask the Boltons, and I feel like they did what they thought was necessary, but I don't know if anyone, including Stannis, everyone right now, I don't know if they've really planned what it could mean to deal with the kind of winter that's coming. And I think that that's the overarching presence behind all that stuff in the chapter. Right. He's looking around and seeing the uh, the snowmen that are now horrendously large, and we're reading about the the uh, tunnels that they've dug to basically navigate Winterfell. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's all sort of led here. That's why it's exploded like this. You've got dogs eating sausages. I'm not, I'm not sure why the dogs didn't just eat Manderley at that point. Also, I think it's, go on, please. I just think, I think it's funny to have this image of him laying there while they're all fighting over whatever sausages got spilled as he fell to the ground. Blubbering. Mm -hmm. I feel like I may have slipped into an alternate timeline because I was like, I don't know, man, 450 episodes. I don't remember why I'm in di why I'm manually dying right, right here. Right. And it feels really? like he does for a second. It almost. feels like he dies. I was like, this is completely, this can't be the thing, but it, it didn't stick out to me before. It didn't stick out to me enough to be emotionally tied to the moment 
But I mean, one of the more epic moments of the series for him to be making fun of the phrase within the belly of, belly of the beast. It's so good. It's so but also funny. shout out to Hostine Frey for that move. That was ridiculous. He kicks the table and pins him to his chair and then goes to slash for his throat. That's how <laughs> desperate things are right now. But also warranted about the phrase. You probably just shouldn't be afraid at this it's point. It's also just like the energy there because you look at somebody like Ramsey and Roos who are in charge of the place and the kind of energy they're putting out into the universe. It's like everyone's just getting extra hyped up. All these guess. margins, guys. Ramsey, yeah. overconfident in Theon, distracted. How's this going to happen? Just enough. Just enough. And he jumps and he makes it. Him seeing Jane and realizing through what she had said and what he had experienced that her struggle was similar to his, I think really did it in for him. And it did it in for me too, thinking about what we were talking about at the top of the chapter. I was asking if you had felt sorry for Theon, whether, whether or not you do feel sorry for Theon, anyone listening, Jane Poole didn't sell out Winterfell, didn't kill any of the Miller's kids. She's completely innocent. And the same thing's happening to her. Yeah. And you can see, I thought something that was very interesting was you see all the Spearwives, they react to seeing her. There's like yeah. bite marks on her and they see yeah. that and they, I felt like they had this like very visceral reaction, which to me also painted a more gruesome picture of what's actually happening to Jane and the way that she reacts to, you know, tell, tell, um, I almost said Theon, tell Ramsey, I love him. She's crying and she's, you know, they she's trained me. I love completely him. innocent in this situation and is, and it's not that I think Theon deserves anything like this. Like that's, or that he should be punished for everything it's been through. But I do think, you know, Jane is extremely innocent in this situation. And so if, if I feel bad for somebody, I'm going to feel bad for her because she's helpless. She can't yeah. help herself. And it's, it's weird because there's symmetry in in some ways to what happens to Theon, but not what happens to Jane. And it's just like one of those negative functions of the story where the small folk or the smaller folk almost have inordinate punishments just because they're not as important as the mm -hmm. rest of everybody else. Right. Right. It's like, right. damn. It's like Jane Poole's not a quote unquote main character of like Westeros. And so her, she's just getting, going to get screwed over. And I feel mm -hmm. like we see often in, especially at Feast for Crows, how all of this war and bloodshed is affecting the normal, like the, just the normal people who are just out here trying to live their lives and to die for their land and to protect their families. And they're all getting the short end of the stick and there's no glory in that, you know, and somebody like Theon, he's about to be brands like little buddy and he's gonna like have adventures with <laughs> the three-eyed raven you know maybe he's he'll gonna be, be like okay. his servant <laughs> right maybe but somebody like order. jane Poole is just gonna live with the tragedy or of or not live at all with everything that she's experienced and so not to necessarily talk about the show but i think so much of an issue that i had with sansa being put in this situation i've had many issues with sansa being pushed put into the situation and to me that was like my breaking point with game of thrones 
And I think part of that is dismissing this underlying story of somebody like Jane Poole and the sacrifice that somebody who is a seemingly like, I don't want to call her a rando because she's not a rando at all, but she's not the hero of the story. I feel like those stories are just as important as somebody like Asansa Stark, you know? That's such a good point. It's also just more realistic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that real texture. It's someone Mm -hmm. from before, so it's not a total, Mm -hmm. totally random person, but at the same time, it's in in this case, she's so easy to discard and just leave in the room like this. Right, exactly. Because of who she, because she doesn't have the last name. You know, so if it's, it's if it's also faded, if it keeps happening to just everyone perfectly in the story that we all know, right? There's so many different moving parts happening. Yeah, so you know, I'm happy that she's for now out of there, and I felt like Theon. I don't know their little connection that they've got and how that helps him remember and all of that. I think is really sweet, and so I was going to ask you about that. Do you think that Reek is really dead? No. You don't think you don't no. think so? Mm-mm. I don't think what so. What do you think it would it would take in either direction for Reek to go either way? Away. I mean the psychological trauma that he has lived with, I don't think that Reek is ever gonna fully go away. I think that that's gonna be a like an Achilles heel for Theon throughout the rest of the story because you know something again to talk about the show i really theon just like snaps out of it in the show it's like his sisters tells him that you're feeling better and he's like oh yeah you're right i am feeling better <laughs> like oh yeah i am fine now and so it's it's i don't fathom a world in which reek doesn't follow him through everything else that he goes through uh throughout the remainder of his time just because i think he, if nothing else, his time here at Winterfell with the Boltons has taught him a lot about who he is and kind of who, who he wants to be. And like, he thinks a lot. And we even see in this chapter, he's thinking about Rob and he's like, I should have been with him. I should have died mm-hmm. alongside of him. He spends a lot of time thinking about the decisions that he's made and the mistakes that he's made. And so, I think that those things are going to influence him going forward, as I was kind of saying at the beginning of the episode. And so I don't think who he is as Reek is ever going to fully go away. I can easily see him sort of slipping in and out of these episodes or states as he tries to move forward, especially if he's got some sort of connection with Bran. And if he's, I don't know if we talked about this, but maybe I mentioned already, but there's this idea that, because Theon went through all this trauma that then opens up his ability, like his third eye, his ability mm. to hear or even see. That's an interesting way to think about it. Well, because Bran, I thought it was interesting because it was compared to Bran who was able to use this ability once he fell. And he right. went through like all this physical and emotional pain just like Theon went through. And so that kind of gave him the opportunity to well he's certainly more empathetic to his all of his surroundings as judged by these pov chapters mm-hmm. so maybe maybe he's i feel like he would almost have to lose his mind to have some kind of a, a strange connection to the green side but but he has i don't know lost his yeah, mind he, exactly yeah you know so. yeah so so is that a function of it the hearing voices you know are the are they, are they coming from a place 
I mean, Hodor lost his mind. Mm -hmm. At least that's not book canon yet, but I think it's going to be something similar. Right. And I think that Theon, we talk about him like losing his mind. I think he's going to be able to continue to function and like be fairly, like he's going to be okay. But I think that maybe some of that trauma, him tapping into that on occasion, or maybe his connection with Bran is going to bring out some of that trauma. I don't know, but I definitely see it playing a factor. That is interesting. That is interesting. I mean, he'll be used to this dynamic because he's been a slave for a long time. When he talks about his past life, we talked about killing the Miller's kids. He fucked that dude's wife that when, was he, so was, he, when he wasn't up. around. But it's just how it is because he was Theon Greyjoy. I know, but steward, it added this layer. Steward, uh, it, it was such a real layer too, but steward of Ned Stark. The Miller wasn't around. They're probably riding horses all the time and going to these places. Yeah, it's such a personal story with this lady. I didn't realize, I mean, of course we're not supposed to realize until this moment, but like that makes that whole Miller's kids thing a thousand times worse. So deep. Like knowing. Because he knew exactly where to go. Yes. He knew exactly what to do. <laughs> with the relationship with their mom. Like it's just, wow, yeah. that really messed me up. I know, but here's the thing. That same guy is. I know, but everyone is. <laughs> and that same guy was, was, uh, when, uh, the, uh, I forget, I think it was Rowan said, uh, gave him shit for talking about the kids, Miller's kids, or mm-hmm. talking him, just the North remembers thing. He was like, I could kill you. He was thinking to himself and his fingers twitched and Ooh. itched because he wanted, he wanted yeah. so desperately just to, you know, I could especially don't care because of Ramsey has got my back and because winter's coming and I'm already maimed beyond. I mean, I feel like after I lost a few of the things that the lost, I would have gone way deeper into the darkness <laughs> than he had. But he's still holding it together somewhat. He remembers who he is. He remembers who he is and he doesn't stab her. And then later on in the uh, in the in the chapter, when. The phrase sound their trumpets to leave. He's again disheartened by the confidence of the people that are working for Ramsey and he thinks again. His fingers twitch again. Let's, let me just read it. Reek might have done it, would have done it, in hopes it might please Lord Ramsey. These whores meant to steal Ramsey's bride. Reek could not allow that, but the old gods had known him, had called him Theon. Ironborn. I was Ironborn. Balin Greyjoy's son, a rifle heir to Pike. The stumps of his fingers itched and twitched, but he kept his dagger in his sheath. So it looks like that, that connection that Bran has put inside of his mind with his own name, like you were saying, but also knowing about Jane, all this sort of added together to create the perfect soup for him to decide, I'll let the momentum go in this way. And then that escape where the music's playing and they're headed to the top of the wall. Yeah. And all of our allies that we don't know much that much about, let's just think of them as projections of our subconscious. If we're Theon or if we're George R. Martin, they all start dying needlessly, almost just a quarrel. Oh, I forgot the rope, you know, like, how about this, this thing to forget? It's been plugging me my whole life and it's led to this moment and it shoots through my body. Now what, now what do I do? Do we act? I forget what the the final thing is that he thinks about. Do you have it? I can skip to the end, but about at I the end, it, it might be illuminating. When he jumps? It, it's, yeah, yeah, I've got it. It says 
he and the girl were alone. So again, all of those projections are gone. If they take us alive, they will deliver us to Ramsey. And those were his choices. So rather than be delivered to Ramsey, ultimately that's what it came back to. He knows that he does no, he no longer wants to be involved with his master at all. And he's used to this. All of this has basically led to this. And it took all of this to break him out of that training, knowing I don't want to be back with that guy. Mm-hmm. Who's yeah, to say that he won't fall into a similar pace with Bran? Maybe he won't be, I mean, mistreated oh, as like much. like a master kind of relationship? He's so, he's so conditioned for it already. I don't think Bran... I think that Bran potentially... I know we have a lot of conversations about like Bran's role and whether he's going to use his power for good or for bad, but I don't think that Bran is ill-intentioned, and I think that he is going to have a little bit more sympathy for somebody like Theon. I don't think that I I don't see Bran being intentionally cruel or having any real sort of power over Theon on purpose. But don't you think that Bran is going to be heading in directions that have already become a bit gray? Oh, at one so, quadrillion percent, yes. Like, I don't think Bran's a good guy. I don't really like Bran at all. Okay, dumb question then. So, <laughs> no, it's a good. <laughs> don't you think that? Don't you think that in the winds of winter, things are going to get more serious? Are you asking like on a broad scale? <laughs> I, I just Are mean you asking that specifically with Theon and Bran. <laughs> if he's if he's warging into human beings, right? Imagine how totally that could feel versus the physical pain For that sure. Reek is or that Theon is used to receiving. Think, I just feel like it, it's dangerous. You think I think Bran's it's dangerous. Gonna warg into Theon? I think I think Bran might know how to exploit Theon. I think Bran might know that it's super valuable to have someone like Theon who's been brought as low as possible as someone he can have access to potentially use. I don't know if it's because of Dion's struggle that he can hear the communications. I don't know if that's the reason why Bran is continuing or whoever's continuing to focus on him. But Mm -hmm. the sample chapter that we read with crows shouting tree, this is all just the volume is turned up too loud to ignore that something is strange is going on. here. Absolutely. 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 And again, this is not just the random Theon chapter where he escapes Winterfell. This is this this is connected to everything, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that there is going to be a connection between Theon and Bran. I love that, and I am hopeful that Bran. I was going to say I was like, well, Bran has a was like friends with Theon. He's not going to mistreat him. And then you think about everything that he's doing with Hodor, who is also somebody who's like deeply familial to him. I know. I don't know. I would just, I guess I would hope for Theon's sake that it doesn't get like that while also knowing and understanding the path that Bran is on is absolutely in my mind, a dark path, a not good path. Not like like he, (laughs) go ahead. What were you going to say? Bran just like becomes king at the end. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> the worst he does is troll us. He just, just sits like, out in the yard. Yeah, it's like the whole thing is like honestly, that Bran would just be sitting the best in a chair. <laughs> yeah, like, if he knows everything, he's patient enough not even to be cruel. He's yeah. like, I'm just going to troll everyone. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. 
I don't know. What do, I mean, what do you think? I think that there's a lot in this chapter that points toward people like Theon and seemingly everyone making a decision based on what the average is. The average of how much they get versus how much they're kind of screwing people over. And I think that that's sort of what Bran does whenever he wargs into Hodor and whenever he does pretty much anything. And Bran's nonchalant attitude at his age now. It's messed up. Without, I mean, I was going to say without a lot of struggle, but he's got, he's had a ton of struggle, mm-hmm. but I'm imagining something happening in the moment, something intense. Um, who knows what he would make okay, what he would make excuses for, what he would explain to himself. Right. And I think that if the story continues to get serious, like I said, what do you think is going to happen in the winds of winter? That if these two are talking to each other, I just, I don't think that what he wants from Theon or whoever at this moment can be unsubstantial. Why else are these birds squawking so loudly? You know, what, what is so important about all this? Why? Why would it be so important? Do you think he's going to use Theon for some, something? Has he like chosen him because, you know, pulled him out of his weakness to use him? (sighs) Maybe it was always supposed to be that way. And Bran doesn't know. And when I say always supposed to be that way, I mean, maybe Bran had to have someone like that. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that poetically it would be Theon. He's he's still here in Winterfell. I think it has a lot to do with proximity, but I think it could also have a lot to do with the kind of person that he is. That's really what it comes down to. Maybe it's a mixture of proximity and the kind of person that he is. Isn't that what kind of everything is? What's really available to you? Yeah. Yeah. And then you mold that to the story. Right. Well, Theon is there while he's Bran is seemingly able to like use that tree at that Winterfell. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. It's There's very a lot exciting. more to unfold though. A whole lot more to come out of it. Or at least I hope there is. It's just wild to think that we know everything that we're going to know about Theon at this point. We've read everything yep. for him. And so the possibility of him, I think and we talked about this in the Winds of Wizard sample chapter, so I don't want to like get back into that discussion. But this idea of him, even though I don't remember what we talked about at all, but I assume this is what we talked about, <laughs> him like potentially being executed and how that might go down in the context that we've been talking today with Bran. I just think that that's going to be very interesting and I'm excited so cool. about it. Yeah. It's if that's involving Stannis, we could we could legitimately be bringing an even <laughs> another even more satisfying layer to Stannis's confusion right. to all the stuff in the north. He's like, "What? So much talking through birds and that a tree." Makes you feel Dion. bad for Stannis, almost. You know, it's like yes, it does, but he deserves it. He thinks he's the one true king. He deserves it. That's funny. Oh boy, I hope none of this fate is so equal in real life, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Um, is it own time? I don't know what Let's I'm going to do, do. Let's do it. I want to give my own uh, to Wyman Manderley for his line about the phrase. We've Dang. already read it a bunch, but it's so good. That's what I wanted to give also, my own to, too. You still can. That's um, boring, though. Sort of an own to Hostine Frey that was super violent. And it was the most respect I've ever had for a Frey. So Ooh. that was a cool moment. And, uh, 
my uh, another unofficial one I got to give to George R. R. Martin for it was so unbelievably personal when Theon was walking up those stairs to Jane's room and remembering him walking those stairs a thousand times before <clears throat> and thinking about old Nan You're and stealing and all of my own <laughs> everyone, and everyone else that was involved in the in his life growing up to, to pass before him as he was walking to that sort of next stage within his decision of how things are going to be within Winterfell was just so cool. It was really powerful. And so real, such a real thing. It was, to me, it wouldn't seem like it would be the obvious thing to write when you're trying to write a spooky book, you know, like, ooh, but it was just, it was exactly what it should have been. Mm-hmm. Good. You stole my two owns, so... <laughs> um that means I have to go down to number three. I'm going to give my own to... Wait, you were you done? You can just give all the same ones. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, sorry. I realized <laughs> I just started assuming that you were done. Well, you have to be until you so you don't steal more of mine. Um, I'm going to give my own to Holly. And the moment where... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll read it to you. <laughs> um, they are mid-escape. And they come up to one of the gates and they run into some guards. <laughs> I'm going to read a couple paragraphs. It says, who goes there? One called out. Theon did not recognize the voice. Most of the man's features were covered by the scarf around his face. Only his eyes could be seen. Reek, is that you? Yes, he meant to say. Instead, he heard himself reply, Theon Greyjoy, which is an interesting choice. I have brought some women for you. You poor boys must be freezing, said Holly. Here, let me warm you up. She slipped past the guard's spear point and reached up to his face, pulling loose the half-frozen scarf to plant a kiss on his mouth. And as their lips touched, her blade slid through the meat of his neck just below the ear. Theon saw the man's eyes widen. There was blood on Holly's lip as she stepped back and blood dribbled from his mouth as he fell. Then that's when Jane screams. Well, then Frenya does some stuff and then Jane screams. So I thought that was cool moment. I loved that Theon identifies himself as Theon here. And then I also thought that what Holly did was what's up. Those are my own. Right on. I wish Jane wouldn't have screamed. I then know. it's just like the worst time kind of to scream when they're breaking you out. I mean, read the room. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I love mean, that sequence her, though. She, Jeez. Because of her scream, some of the girl, like some of the spear wives don't make it out. So if you'd like to send us your own or tell us what you think about Dion and Bran's connection, particularly wondering what everyone thinks about that. If you've made it to the end of the material, you're probably pretty confused about it too. You can write to us on twitter.com at game of owns, or you can send us an email to contact game of We also have a Facebook page. And we also have an Instagram page if you use social media. And if you want to follow along with our reading order, you can find it at afeastwithdragons.com. And next time we're going to be talking about John, which is a thrill. I think the chapter starts out with a physical description of Tormund Giant Spain, so you know it's going to be good. <laughs> so get ready <laughs> for that. Um, well, I've, I was just going to say it's kind of crazy we've reached the end of Theon stuff. I know it's exciting. I was going to give a little plug for your your solo project podcast that you're doing. So if anybody's interested, you can head over to patreon.com slash game of owns 
right? Is that what our Patreon is? I think it's goo. (laughs) G-O-O. Patreon.com slash goo. And Zach is doing his own read through of the series from the very beginning, just like a little solo project. And so it's very good. So if you want to check that out, that's a little more a song by some fire content coming your way. Thank you. I'm trying to think, what do I have to plug for Hannah? She's got a private Instagram, so you can't get in that. <laughs> I don't really. You can also check us out at OnlyFans. <laughs> no. I have to pee really badly. Please yeah, don't do make too. me laugh. I do too. All right. What else? What else do we have to say? Let's say goodbye. That's all for the show today. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you guys soon.